It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. taking time to be with us tonight, and before I sound over-apologetic again, guess for, I'm going to apologize to the downloaders again. I apologize for us not having a program last night. It was beyond my control, so you downloaders that I talked to on the telephone and couldn't find a program there, it's my fault, and I apologize. Um, Had a little health problems. It was beyond my control, like I said. Anyway, got that out of the way. Tonight, we are going... To open the bread of life with the book of Job. That's where we're going to wind up. But first of all, we're going to deal with another subject. And it's specific. It's, it's geared towards some specific people. I'll admit that. And um, they're downloaders most of the time. And they've got questions in their life about some certain things. And uh, one of the biggest things is the call of God in their life. So I'm going to deal with that to begin with, and then we will get over into the book of Job. Brother David, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come tonight to listen to the word, to hear the word, and to have our thoughts and our purposes changed that we would become in one accord with you, Holy Spirit, to magnify, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and to accomplish the work to which he's called us to do. I pray that tonight that your word would reach out into the hearts and minds of everyone in the chat room, downloaders, and bring about a birthing and a bring about a, an acknowledgement and an understanding of the call of God that's on them from before the foundations of the world and before they made entrance into this terrestrial planet. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Ghost teach us, teach all of us about the call of God on our lives and give us the earnest desire to fulfill it to your glory, Father, to your joy and to the lifting up of the preeminent Lord Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen. Turn to your, I sent you to Romans Yes, chapter did. 11, didn't I? Okay, we'll just scroll on down there to um, verse 29, I believe it is, and I want you to read that in just a few minutes, okay? Certainly. Okay, the call of God individually. Every member, number one, every one that the Father has here on this earth, the elect of God, has a calling in their life, a gift given to them that they're supposed to share that gift with the body of Christ, with the body of believers, with the bride. You were That gift was given to you. It is not anything that you learned to do. It's been in you since the day you took your first breath. It was given to you by the Father. All right? Each one. Every single one that are his has a gift that you're supposed to cultivate and use for the growth of the body of Christ. Paul is very plain about this. The gifts you don't have it doesn't matter how wicked you've been, it doesn't matter how good you are. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, they're given to you of the Father. The gifts, especially, and we're fixing to go, like Brother David's fixing to read, but go ahead and read, Brother David, Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Without repentance, you don't have to ask, you don't ask for them, you don't have to repent of anything to get them, they're given to you of God, these gifts are, all right? Now, the gifts are different than the call. God calls some apostles, some preachers, some teachers, pastor teachers, some evangelists, the list are given. That's a call. That's a specific call for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the saints of the body of Christ. John? Yes? I don't know if it's just me, but you keep just dropping off like I don't hear you saying anything. I can hear fine. You don't hear any interruption in what he's saying? Ask Maybe the chat room. Okay. I don't. How about other people? Yeah, ask Maybe the that. chat room. Am I fading in and out to you guys on the chat room, in the chat Le- room? Leonidas says it's fine. Okay. Maybe it's just my phone or something. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. But anyway, there is nobody that can tell you, look you in the face and say, you're called of God to do such and such, and I'm not here to do that. All I'm here to do is give you some personal experience and advice along with the Scripture. That's all I can do. But from my own personal experience, I can promise you this. You will know on the inside there will be a little tugging 
I'm, this is my own personal experience I'm giving right now. The Spirit of God will tug you on the inside during certain, when, uh, like um, if you're listening, if somebody's teaching or preaching the Word of God, then then there's a, there'll be a little voice. I, I, I I'm not I'm, like I said, it's not audible. It's hard to explain, but it's the Spirit of God. And you'll know the calls on your life. You'll you'll realize it down deep inside that tugging. Now you have to be spiritually attentive. Okay. You have to be spiritually attentive to that call. You may deny it. See, here's you. This is what happened to me. I accepted the call right off the bat but did not follow through. Turn to Matthew chapter 21 while I'm talking, Brother Dave. Okay. I accepted the call, but I did not follow through with it because the cares of this world, my own desires, I justified everything. I used every kind of justification you can probably come up with an excuse. Not to follow the call and and do what you're supposed to do, and do what I was supposed to do. It's got nothing to to do with going to Bible college. Okay, got nothing to do with higher education. Didn't say that 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 didn't help a little bit. I'm just saying it has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter if you've committed this sin or that sin or this sin. Or, that's got nothing to do with it because the gifts and callings are without repentance. The calling's there. It's a lot easier to fulfill the calling if you're just blindly obedient and go ahead and, 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 clean, and obey the Scriptures, walk the straight and narrow. There's all, I mean, there's... There's a million benefits to that. Number one, it's because it's obedient to the Lord and obedient to the Word. All right? But you've got examples like Samson, who would not follow him. He was called of God, but he didn't follow through to the very end. His whole life was up and down, up and down, sinning here, sin till the very end. All right? When he finally did more and did his death than he did in all of his life. So if you've done so-and-so, that's no excuse because the calling's always going to be on your life. Always. And you, and I can tell you from personal experience, I ran and the Lord beat the hell out of me. And I came up with every excuse in the world. Well, I did this. I can't do that. They might think this. They might think that. See, it's not about they. It's about the Lord and you. It's your calling. It's not mine. It's your calling. It's not your mother's or daddy's. It's not your girlfriend or wife's. It's not your best friend or your worst enemy. It's your calling from God. If you think you're called, if there is a calling, you think you're called to preach, you better start doing the things in your life to where you can fulfill that calling. 
And it doesn't matter what you, like I said, what you've done. I don't care if you was in jail for five years. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The calling will be there till you take your last breath. And until you obey and, and submit the knee in obedience to the Father and start walking the road to fulfill that calling, you will never be happy. When I'm saying happy, I'm talking about it's an inner peace. It's that peace that passeth all understanding that keep your heart, that keeps your heart and mind. That's in Philippians chapter four. So you downloaders, all right? There may be somebody in the chat room that the Spirit of God's talking to. I'm just telling you, you'll never have that peace on the inside till you fulfill, till you start obeying that God. Now, some people may say, well, is there a certain sign of you got to be a certain one? No, no, no. I've seen the Lord use people that personality stunk. They couldn't make a friend with a making machine. You talking about the Holy Ghost coming down and being with them when they preached and using the Word of God, absolutely tremendous. And you talk to them at once they got away from preaching or teaching, and you wouldn't want to be around them. Uh, on the bay, on the brass, on just the, the outward appearance is what I'm talking about. Spiritually speaking, as brother to brother, now that's a different story. I'm talking about just on a personality basis. Cause, so just don't don't think that if you're not a people person, or you're not outgoing personality, that the call is not on your life. That's got no, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. In the end, it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I know some people that's laid up in pain right now, and out of their own mouth, I've heard them within tears sometimes. I know the Lord's calling me to preach. I know the Lord wants me, but, 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 but. Ifs and buts. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, there can't be none of that ifs and buts when it comes to the Lord's call in your life. If you answer it, then you better go ahead and do it. You better start associating, talking to people that are familiar with it, that know about it, other other real, and I'm, and I'm really putting the quotes up now, air quote, real preachers and teachers. You better find, get some advice. And a multitude of counselors, it says in Proverbs chapter 25, in a multitude of counselors there is safety. It's not that the counselors is going to tell you, well, this is God's will for your life. No, 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 uh-uh. It's in a multitude of counselors. There's safety, and the Lord will use them, the Spirit of God in them, to lead and guide and direct you and be an influence in your life for the good. If so be the Spirit of God dwells in them, that's the kind of people you're supposed to deal with. And you know the tree by the fruit it bears. 
It, the age does not matter. Timothy was a young man. Timothy was a was a youngster compared to the rest of the guys that were called. That wrote the, the books first and second ten. The one that Paul talks about that Paul wrote to young Timothy, the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Eventually, young man. If you're 50 years old, 40 years old, 30 years old, 60 years old, that call will never leave you. I do not know what the repercussions are going to be on the other side if you don't answer the call. But I do know this. It won't be fun. Even the Lord says in Romans chapter 10 that the ones that preach the God, they, 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 we're, we're supposed to have blessed feet. <laughs> That's what it says. Beautiful are our feet. <laughs> Preachers are supposed to have beautiful feet. I don't know about that, you know. But that's what the book says. It's a special thing to know that the Lord has something in your life for you to do. Whether it be a call to pastor, teach, evangelize. He's interested in you. See, that just that very fact right there should give you an unction and a desire to please the Father. Read verse 22 through uh, 31, brother, in Matthew okay. chapter 21. Now, I want you to watch what the Lord talks about. He's going to give example, give two people, okay? This is for somebody out there, all right? I don't know what your name is. I don't know what your age is. I don't know what your past is. But I do know that the Spirit of God dwells in you, and I know there's a call in your life. You know who you are. You just had a tinge on the inside. You, your face just went flush, even though I'm not looking at you, but the Spirit of God is, see? And that Spirit of God's wooing you to answer the call and start heading in the direction of fulfilling that calling. Go ahead and read, Brother David. Matthew twenty-one twenty-two, And all things, whatsoever ye, ye ask, shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. That's chapter, excuse me, brother, I gave you the wrong verse. Chapter 21, verse 28. Chapter 21, verse 28 through 31. I'm sorry. Okay, verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Ooh, that's pretty strong language. I don't know if you can uh, you understand that little parable. It's pretty self-evident. All right. You had got answer the call and didn't go. And then one that didn't answer, read it again, Brother David. Start with but a certain man. Ye? Yeah, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Okay. What were them twain? That's good, brother. Did, okay. that, that, that's good. So you're going to deny the call. Like I said, that tugging will always be there. It's better to answer. The, the perfect example is to, yes, Lord, your will, not mine, and go about it. Okay? That... See, and you, you start thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got to learn the Bible. Duh. Whether you got a calling in your life to preach or not, you're supposed to do that anyway. And I just hear from people after people after people that absolutely refuse. I mean adamant about it. Just refuse. How do I know they refuse? Because they don't learn nothing that refuse to learn this book. That refuse to hide it in their heart. They can tell you stuff on television. They can tell you about the Illuminati. They can tell you about the Masons. They can tell you about the Jews. But they couldn't rub two verses of Scripture together if it meant their life. Now what does that say? I'm I'm sorry if you've hadn't had anybody else talk to you like this. Better late than never. Like this guy here. You refused it to start with, then answered and go. But don't say you will and don't. And you young guys out there, I'm open. I'm going to go ahead and say this. You know how to get in touch with me. If you don't, it's not my fault. It's yours. Because the contact information is given out at the end of every program. I'll do everything I can to help you. And you know who I'm talking about right now. You know who I'm talking to. The one I'm talking to specifically knows that I'm talking to them. I'll do anything in the world I can. I'll bend over backwards to help you in the right direction because there is such a gigantic need today for true Bible-believing pastor, teachers, and preachers, and evangelists. There's ne as far as I'm, there's never been a greater need because look around you. 
every generation there's a new harvest. Even though, in, in my theology, I believe that harvest is getting slimmer because I believe that we've almost got to the point to where there's been a complete, what, how would I put this, um, restocking of the original angels that fell. Now, the whosoever wills, that's a different story. Okay? But the fields with every generation are always white under harvest. And concerning the gifts, turn to Romans chapter 12. Okay. And see, the gifts are that we're going to go through some of them in Romans chapter 12. And Paul starts out Romans chapter 12 by telling you that the way that you get in a position to apply these gifts and callings. Read the first two verses, Brother David, then drop on down to where Paul starts talking about the gifts in the body. Okay. Verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, you got people out there that want to talk about the law till they choke on it. All right? They'll pull out something out of the law that they can do, and they'll just law, law, law you to death. Ain't nobody sacrificing no animals today. There is nobody keeping feast. You know the feast days have to be kept in Jerusalem. You know that. There ain't nobody over there. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road tonight. But I'm just telling you. Why don't you present your body a living sacrifice? That's the first step. <laughs> That's the first step. For service for God. And see, I know all the excuses, folks. I've used them. Family, friends, job, money. I know all the excuses. Health, condition. I know the excuses. I've used every flipping one of them. They don't hold water with the Father. Number one, He wouldn't have called you and give you the gift if you couldn't apply it. By you not applying it, you're spitting in His face saying he doesn't know what he's doing. Continue reading, Brother David. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's your first step to finding out for sure. Everybody's got a definition of what worldliness is. <laughs> oh, I hear it. Oh, I hear it. I hear some pointing the finger at other folks for being worldly, and I'm sitting back just shaking my head, thinking it's the pot calling the kettle black. The Bible gives you, gives you the definition of the worldliness, the things in the world, folks. You just don't want to deal with it. Because you done got comfortable in your life. And you don't want to shake it up for nobody. And you think you're just going to, you're going to, you're going to play the odds and take your chances on the other side. I wouldn't do that if I were you. 
Brother David, go on down. Uh, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Well, Paul ministry. tells you, let me stop there just a second. Paul tells you in 1 Corinthians 13 that prophecy in the early church was going to fade away. All right? And you got a bunch of folks running around out there today calling themselves prophets. And you know what? They never do apologize to you when their prophecies are wrong. They just make another prophecy on top of that. They're liars, folks. Jeremiah tells you all about them. All right? Paul plainly tells you that the prophecy will cease, and it did. Along with a lot of the other sign gifts, ceased. Fade away. They did. That's the reason I keep talking about the book of Acts. I'll show you the, the, the transitional period in the church. That's the reason I keep saying what I do. I didn't ever say I was going to the book of Acts next time. I didn't say I was going to the book of Revelation next time. After we finished the book of Luke, I didn't say that. I said, I can't wait. I'm chomping at the bit. That's what I said. Continue on, Brother David. Um, there's an element of the prophecy that hasn't passed away. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And that's the word of and God. Amen. And, the <laughs> and we have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about this, the gift that was used in the church at that period of time. Okay. I'm saying today, though, that there are prophets, but they have the more sure word of prophecy. They're using the scriptures, and Absolutely. they're revealing to us things about future events, Oh, yeah, Current sure. That's, yeah, absolutely, yeah. brother. That, yeah, of course. I, I should have made myself more clear. I'm not talking about that kind of prophecy. I'm okay, talking about no. the way it was used in the church, okay? Okay, sure. Paul, yeah, I Paul, just wanted... tells you, Paul tells you, see, that was before there was a complete canon. Yes, certainly. That's you'd, true. You'd have people stand up in the church and give a prophecy, okay? He tells mm -hmm. you about it in the, in 1 Corinthians. He yes. talks about that. Yes. Anyway, I, I just wanted to let anyone who thought they were called to be a prophet realize that there are prophets, but they're just they're using the word of God to show what prophecy means today, what the spirit of Christ is saying to the church. Well, everybody that has the testimony of Jesus Christ has a spirit of prophecy because you got a fulfilled canon that tells you everything that's going to happen. Amen. Okay, continue reading, brother. Verse seven. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching. Okay, that ministering there, let us wait on our ministry. It's not talking about kicking back in a rocking chair. That's, it's talking that, that it's like waiting on a table, <laughs> like a waitress waiting on a table. She stays busy. That's what that meant. That word wait there means. Go ahead, brother. Or he that ex yes. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Okay, this exhortation right here, folks. In the early church, in the early assemblies, there was somebody, let me tell you how this went down. And it's still, it's still what we're doing here on this program is, is almost to the T exactly like they did it in the early church. 
the scriptures they had, they would have one person read the scripture, and the other person would exhort and proclaim that word. I don't know if any of you people knew that, but they did. That's the way it was originally. It's still done that way in some of the quote unquote apostolic churches, but most of them are blue gum, okay? But they still try to hold to that early tradition. That's the way it was done. But that's what an exhorter was would take, would exhort the congregation to apply the words that were spoken and preached in their life. That's what the exhorter did. Go ahead, brother. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence. He that sheweth mercy, with cheerfulness. That love be without dissimulation. Okay, this, this, these, these few gifts he talks about right here, there's another list. We're not going to go into them right now. I'll deal with them at another time. I've, I've done dealt with them one time, twice. I'll go through them again, but they're in 1 Corinthians, okay? 1 and 2 Corinthians, there's a more specific list that we'll deal with again later. But continue reading, Brother David. Just go on okay. through here. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Okay. Let me just make a comment here. You're supposed to abhor that which is evil. You cannot abhor evil if you're feeding your eyeballs and ears with it all the time. And the excuse, I'm just checking out what's going on, don't hold water. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Whoa. He doesn't give any qualifications on who this is he's talking about, folks. There is no qualifications there. <laughs> Do you know some of the martyrs, especially during the time of um, was Diocletian or um, Nero, they would be they would be praying for the emperor as they were getting slaughtered. Did you know that? <laughs> Just thought I'd tell you. I'm not making it up. There were some of the um, martyrs during the Inquisition. that prayed for the ones that took out their guts in front of them, cut their ears off, cut their hands off, throwed them in the water. There were some. I didn't say all. I said some. Can you do this? Do you, have you had an... Have you, I'll tell you what, dude. I'll tell you what I did. I found the one that had... I, I, the one that had hurt me the most the one that I that that I should hate with a vengeance, according to 
the human way of looking things. And I, and I kept on and forced myself and kept on praying for this individual. I'm just giving you an example. And praying for this individual to where now I have a love for the individual. It took a while. But now I can honestly say with all my heart that there's not a single person walking on the face of this earth that I can't pray for and that I can't learn to love. And most of the ones that hate me, I pray for them continuously. I can honestly say that. Lord knows my heart. I mean, I'm not lying to you. And I ain't trying to pump myself up. I'm just telling you these things here can be done or they wouldn't be put here for you to do. That's all I'm saying. Continue, brother. Let's get through with this. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescending to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Okay, you can stop right there. If it, if it be possible. In other words, there's possibility that it can't. Okay? There's possibilities you have to fight and die. Paul leaves that. That that is that's it's that's an open book right there. Just be sure that you've tried all avenues before you jump on that possibility. Because you will be judged for it in the end. The motive of the heart. Make sure you've you've exhausted all avenues then you can say that it wasn't possible if you have to do such and such. Like you've heard me say, give me a Bible, I'll preach. But if I have to, give me a gun, I'll fight. All right? You ain't talking to no pacifist here by any stretch of the imagination. I have the same thoughts come up in my mind when I read these verses as some of you do hearing them now. Just telling you what the, and showing you what the book says. All right? Keep that in mind. Let's go to let's go to the book of Job, brother. Okay. Anyway, while brother Dave is turning to Job chapter one, you know who the, you know you know out there who I'm talking to. The spirit of God is inside you, dealing with you right now. Best thing you can do is obey, because if you don't, you will never ever. Have peace on the inside. You can't drink it away. You can't dope it away. You can't womanize it away. You can't do any. You can't get, get it to leave till you fulfill it. Till you start obeying it. Hey, that's what the most. You heard me mention the other night. I talked about some people act like they're on a vacation here. I meant that with all my heart. I wasn't using that as a metaphor. Some people actually think 
that they're that they go back, they'll run back to Ecclesiastes, the last two verses, and they'll try to apply that to their quote unquote Christian life. Not even understanding that the book of Ecclesiastes is written to the natural man. It's under the sun. The good things for a man under the sun. There's nothing Christian about the book of Ecclesiastes. Wisdom, absolutely, some fantastic wisdom. But it's for the man under the sun, not for the one in Christ Jesus and Christ in you, as we're going to deal with and talk about here in the book of Job. All right, Job, the book of Job. Folks, the book of Job has been talked about down through the ages, and it's been read, and it's been put up on a pedestal to a degree that probably some of you folks know nothing about. Some of the greatest philosophers of all time have said that Job, the book of Job, is the greatest literary work to come from the mind of mortal man. Did you know that? Did you know that in your King James Bible, you have a book that's regarded with such high esteem? How many times have you read it? See, I see you know I'm going to ask that. How much time have you spent in the book of Job? You did know that it's in your Bible, right? And let me tell you, give you a way you can always know how to turn to it. Just remember blessings and pain. Blessings come first and pain later. You got the book of Psalms, and then you got Job. Job follows Psalms. That's the way I learned to remember it right after I got saved, is Psalms, go through the Psalms of hallelujah, glory to God, to the Lord's good, and then boom, here comes the suffering. That's the way I, I remember to always be able to turn to Job. It's right after the book of Psalms. Blessings first, pain later, all right? That's the way I learned to know that I knew where it was in the Scriptures. Anyway, that's just a side sidebar. But it was Victor Hugo was one of the greatest, one of the big proponents of the of the Book of Job. It's poetry, folks. It's Hebraic poetry. It's not. It's it. It comes from the Hebraic mind. It's like the Book of it's a parallelism, like the Book of Proverbs is written. You know, Proverbs will give you. Such and such of the wicked, and then so and so the righteous. The righteous are so and so, and the wicked is so and so. It's a, it contrasts the thoughts that play out through this book. They contrast one another. It's called parallelism. It's not written like the poetry you you used to, like metered and and rhythmic. It's not written like that. But yet it's poetry. And it also begins the poetry books. The date of this book is sometime, it was written sometime during the time, this is my opinion, all right? There's many opinions out there. And I have a reason why I say this, and I'll tell you that in just a second, but I believe it was written sometime during the period of Abraham and the patriarchs. And the reason I say that is because of Job's lifespan. Job lived to be 200-something years old, right at 300 years old. Well, that's the, that's the lifespans of the patriarchs during their life, their, their period 
during the patriarchal period, their lives started dwindling from the time of Noah. After the flood, the lifespan started going down. All right? But during the period of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all right, they lived pretty old. And then it decreased, decreased, decreased to where David said in the book of Psalms, the average years of man is three score and ten, 70 years old. But that's the reason I believe it was written during that period. There is, in the book of Genesis, it talks about a Jobab. It's, it's possible that that is Job possible. I didn't say it was. It's possible that that's who the book of Job was written after. Possible, I said. Just possible. Now, there's all kind of opinions. Some people think um, different things. Some people try to say, well, because he sacrificed, you know, it was written after Moses and Moses wrote this book. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. We'll get into that in a few minutes about this sacrificing thing. But anyway, the author of the book, as I took y'all back the other night when we had question and answer time, where nobody was wanting to ask me any questions, I took y'all back and showed you who I believe and a lot of good good Christian students that know the way I, I'm resident about calling people scholars. Okay, I, I don't I believe. Students is a more proper word because nobody a scholar masters his work. Okay, you can't master this book; it can't be mastered. We'll get into that in just a few minutes as well. But some a lot of good students of this book, great students of this book, attribute it to Elihu, and I took you the other night back to Job thirty-seven and showed you that. And when Elihu starts speaking in the first person, he uses the word, I stood back and I saw this, I, 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 I. And then later on, you realize when God rebukes Job's three friends, he does not rebuke Elihu, which should tell you something right there. What Elihu said must have held some water. There was no rebuke for Elihu but there was for the other three. So I believe the author of the book is Elihu. May I not be, but that's who I believe wrote the book, Cemetery. This is the old this is possibly the oldest book in the world. I said possibly. Okay? It is the oldest book in the Word of God. In the canonized scripture. It's the oldest book. Somewhere around, it was written somewhere, like I said, back during the patriarchal days, around 2000 B.C. In that time period around in there somewhere. And guess what you learn in the book of, some of the things you learn in the book of Job, folks? You learn that all these thousands of years later, ain't nothing changed. Pain, still pain. Basic needs are still basic needs. Human nature still wants to point a finger. (laughs) That's some of the things you learn in this book. The book of Job has more scientific... I'm reticent about using that word also, science, after all the quandary we've been in over the last few months. 
about science, but real science. There is a science, and there's a science falsely so-called, like Paul tells you about in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20. But it has more scientific evidence in it, it, and it even has stuff in it, and when we get to those places, I'll bring them to your attention, that were known then that were not brought out into the open and, and so-called proven by our science till thousands of years later. It's, it's got a, there's a, a bunch of stuff, scientific stuff in here. And some, like I said, some of the things were not known until recently, but they were in the Word of God all that time, which tells you there's nobody evolving anywhere. What's actually having, happening is not evolution, it's devolution. And you hear me always slobber and spit about that all the time. And which is just as it's as true as John three sixteen. It's degeneration, folks. It's nothing nothing's getting better and better and better. <laughs> Take a look around you. Like I've said before, this when it when it says tells you in the book of Daniel, men shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. You know what? Transportation and communication, that's about it. Yeah, and I'm not even sure about that. Antediluvian, not sure about it. Boy, they don't nobody know for sure all the things that were before the flood. And to the poor, uninformed souls that think that it was a local flood, all I can say is, run along, Sonny, don't get hit in the street. Because I know your reason for trying to say it was local I know what you're trying to prove, and a dog just won't hunt. And more and more and more, the evidence just shows up all over this planning that the flood was worldwide. You learn about suffering in this book, which has always been since the fall of man, something that each one, or especially God's people has had to deal with. You learn that it's part, you learn that the Father is interested in individuals. And so is Satan. This gives us a glimpse into the spiritual realm. It gives us a glimpse into the divine counsel. It gives us a glimpse into Shemayim, the third heaven. That no other book does. About the only other book that actually makes reference to a, uh, to the divine council or a meeting or group meeting is a few references in the book of Psalms and in Second Kings. And we went there the other night when the Lord sent a lying spirit, all right, from the throne room. But it's here we get a special glimpse of it in the book of Job. And then isn't it just like the Father to take the first book probably that was ever written, the oldest book we have, 
and give you so much wisdom and knowledge and spiritual understanding and especially insight into human nature in this ancient, ancient book. A lot of people won't even tackle it. They won't mess with it. They'll talk about it and make references to a few things out of it. But they won't tackle it. There's all kind of quote-unquote scholarly things I could sit here and, and burn your ear up with about this book. It's always been one of my favorites. Because it gets down to the nitty-gritty. But just remember, the Lord is interested in individuals, and so is Satan. And I'll make a little bit more reference to that as we get get here in chapter 1. Anyway, Brother David, after having said all that, is there anything you'd like to add? Have you did any uh, research into the book of Job at all? Did um. You want to say anything before we get started here? Um, um, I I read some of the first few chapters and studied it, and I studied it closely in the past, and I agree with everything you've said so far, and um, I don't really have anything to add to it. Okay, Except uh, there was a man in the land of us, Job, and us is likely Seth's <laughs> grandson. Yeah. Well, and so um, that doesn't mean what date it was or anything like that. But so it could have been 2000 BC. But Job was likely a Sethite. That's all. Okay. Okay. He would, and I didn't, I didn't want to go down that route. But saying, brother David mentioned it, I will go ahead and say that this is what I meant when I was talking about. Job lived during the patriarchal days, especially Shem. All right, he lived, and you're going to see, you're going to see the grandson of Esau. You're going to see one of the grandsons of Esau pop up here shortly. It's during the patriarchal period. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Like I said, the lifespans, the lifespans are the dead giveaway. Because if you notice the scriptures, you see where all those 200-year-old folks, they they go away pretty quick-like after the flood. Okay? The genealogies are there. So let's begin with verse 1 right now, Brother Dave, because I'm sure I'll be right here in the very first verse we're going to depart. So go ahead. Me and you? No, I don't think so. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. All right. There was a man in the land of us, wherever that is. <laughs> in the land of us. Now, you could read that to be a, a spot of land or a, the, like Brother David was inferring, a man named us that owned some land. Okay. You read it either way. I don't. I, I don't know the place name us. Well, like I said, wherever it was, somewhere in the east. 
I know that. Yes. East from where? I don't have a clue. There's a lot of speculation. I'm not sure. Nobody else is either. Whose name was Job. The man was perfect and upright. Okay? Perfect. He was he was he had his act together, folks. He wasn't sinless. Anytime you see that word perfect, unless it's connected with the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father or Holy Spirit, it ain't perfect. All right? It it doesn't mean perfect, perfect like we think of perfect. We're in a perfecting, ongoing process right now. The elect of God are in a process of perfecting, ongoing now. That's the reason we're here. That's what we're here for that goes on in our life. You're not here for vacation. You're not here for childhood educations and, and college all I'm, I'm not going to go that far but listen folks listen if you were going somewhere and going to be gone I've, I've used this illustration before I this is the this is I'm gonna put it right over the plate waist high so you can hit it if you're a batter I'm using a baseball illustration or softball where you should be able to get what I'm fixing to say. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been taught before. I don't care what denomination you come out of. If you've never been in a denomination, if you've just now been saved, if you're young in the Lord, or if you're old in the Lord, if you're a babe, a young man, an adult or an elder, I don't care. What I'm fixing to tell you, you ought to be able to understand. And even if you're out there and the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you, you should be able to get what I'm fixing to say. Because a child can get this. If you're going on a trip that's going to last on the weekend, what do you take for that trip? And you know you're going to be back at work Monday. And you're say you just say you live in Atlanta, Georgia, and you're going to drive down to the coast, Panama City, and stay over the weekend. Do you take? Do you get a U-Haul trailer or a rider truck and pack that full of all your belongings and carry with you down to Panama City? Do you take out all your money from your bank account if you got one? And do you do you do, you do that? Get your stock. And do you carry them down to Panama City for the weekend? Well, of course you don't. But if you're going to go move from Atlanta, Georgia, to California, to let's say. No, let's say you're going to move to Spokane, Washington, or Libby, Montana, or Kalispell, Montana. And you ain't coming back. You load up everything you've got. You don't just take your checkbook and an overnight stay of clothes and the cash you got in your pocket and take off. Because you're not coming back, see. 
you pack up, you spend time, you plan, you can take check out the houses on the other side, you make sure you've got enough to take care of you when you get out there. And the things needed to take care of you when you get out there. Then why in the world, folks, if you're truly born again and you truly are a Christian and you truly have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, would you spend all your time, your money, and your effort, all your planning, and the peak years of your life, your love, and your interest on something that's only going to last for a while when eternity is forever. You see, it really gets down to the nitty-gritty of do you really believe what you profess to believe? The Lord didn't say, lay up treasures in heaven where moth does not mess with them or rut if they don't. He wouldn't have told you that if he didn't mean what he was saying. The Apostle Paul would not have said, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth if he didn't mean what he said which was inspired by the Spirit of God. I don't care if you're 75 years old. I don't care if you're 80. You're drawing breath. You can change. You need to find out what it means. I've been telling you what it meant for over two years, how to lay up treasure for what's going to last forever. Not this like smoke and vapor going up in the air, this three score and ten here on this earth. You see, I'm not going to scream and yell at you about this, folks. This is just spiritual common sense. If you really do believe what you say you believe, you will arrange your life accordingly. There are no excuses. The book is plain. It doesn't take interpretation unless you just purely deny the words of God itself. Three quarters of the New Testament is written about what I'm talking to you about right now. That's the reason we're dealing with it right this second. Again, because it's that important. It's important for you to have something on the other side, you elect of God, to deal with the other side and things things over there. So there is no shame and no nakedness, like I'm not going to scream, like I have tried to teach you for two years. You cannot walk anybody's path. You can't walk your wife's path. You can't walk your child's path for them. 
you can only be an example and tell them to confess with your mouth to them the truth because you will not be judged for their misfortunes, their undoings, or their good stuff. You won't get rewarded for what they do good or you won't get whipped for what they do bad. You're supposed to raise up the child, raise up the child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Especially if the Spirit of God dwells in them. Godliness not only profiteth in this life, but also in that which is to come. I've quoted the verse. We've went to it ad nauseum. It's not there by chance. It's not ambiguous. It's plain, straightforward. Paul even tells you, uses in his own words, one of the old sayings, you can't take it with you, you know. Paul plainly tells you that in 1 Timothy 6 when dealing with money and dealing with other things. I'm not just being a hard-tailed country preacher. I'm telling you this because I care. I'm supposed to do that. That's my calling. You going to take a chance on eternity to have what you want in this three score and ten? Man, 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 man. Eternity, folks, is a long, long time. Think about it. Job was perfect, complete, good guy, and upright, and one that feared God. This is before the law. This is before Moses. This is before anybody wrote anything in tablets of stone. So this this is before you lawyers. He feared God. And guess what? He hated or eschewed evil. That old English word, eschewed, it's hated. He despised it. He despised evil. Do you hate evil? Do you despise evil? Or do you use evil for entertainment purposes? Do you use evil in a laughing manner? Job didn't. Job was Johnny on the spot. He hated it. And he worried about his kids, about this evil stuff. We're going to find that out shortly. Job is one of the most righteous men that ever lived. We went to Ezekiel chapter 14. I showed you that. God the Holy Spirit said, if three men got through by their own righteousness, 
if they could have, it would have been Noah, Daniel, and Job. One of those three. And here we're dealing with one of them. Brother Job. He feared God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You pump your mind full of all knowledge. Without the fear of God, you ain't got no knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Okay? Don't fear him. Don't fear man. Don't fear him running around out here that can throw you in jail or fear give you a fine or maybe shoot you. No, no, you fear him that can destroy both body and soul and hell. That's who you're supposed to fear. If you fear man, I've been saying it for over two years, if you fear man, you will not fear God. There is no middle ground. You will be called, you will be tested on a regular basis. If you fear man, you will not fear God. And if you truly fear God, you will not fear man. And that's just the way it is. You can excuse yourself, you can make excuses, you can turn backflips, you can stick your head between your legs, you can do anything you want to do. That's a fact. And if I could punch holes in what you believe, and I could punch holes and point out illustration over and over again where the fear of man brought a snare in your life, just think what the creator of the universe, Almighty Father, can do. You see, these are the things you need to think about. These are the things that pay dividend on the other side, if applied in your life. Job, good guy. Feared God, hated his skewed evil. Brother David, continue reading. Okay, uh, perfect and upright. Also, perfect and upright. In understanding who Job is, I, I believe that there's another little aspect. And certainly Don pointed out the main aspect very eloquently, and that is that he was one who is morally and ethically pure. Perfect and upright. As I was reading that today, that word perfect just popped out at me, and I kind of read the sentence over and over, and then... I decided to look at the Hebrew, and the Hebrew said, complete, perfect, mm-hmm. one who lacks nothing in physical strength, beauty, etc., sound, wholesome, an ordinary, quiet sort of person, complete, morally innocent, having integrity, one who is morally and ethically pure. And, and we've looked at that moral and ethically pure aspect, but there are some people out there, and I know they're, Strange in their thinking that because he's from the East, he was a Jew or he was an Oriental <laughs> or something. But he was a patriarch. He was akin to us. And I believe this word, perfect, has the aspect to it of one who 
lacks nothing in physical strength and beauty. In other words, he was like Noah, who was perfect in his generations. Job was perfect in all aspects, the most important being one who was morally and ethically pure, but he was also a pure son of God from Adam. Amen. And i just close with that there. Amen. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Verse 2. Okay. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Okay. Folks, I want you to pay close attention. I know a lot of you people don't keep up with numbers. I've never done a program on the numbers in Scripture. Maybe I should. But I want you to watch what all these, these add up to. Watch close. Go ahead, brother. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this... Pardon me? I'm I'm just I'm just adding up the numbers, brother. Oh, okay. ten, ten is seven and three, ten. Mm-hmm. Next one's ten. The next one, next two adds up to ten. Right. Turn to Genesis ten. Okay. Just show you something, folks. I know a lot of you that finally wind up here at this program don't know anything about the numbers and scripture and the infallibility of this book and how spiritual even a lot of the numbers are oh that's heresy to some folks i I love it what does it say in genesis chapter 10 verse 10 brother just out of the wild blue i'm just asking you to tell me what it says and the beginning of his kingdom was babel and erech akkad cana and the land of shinar Y'all know what happens in Genesis 10? Well, I'll just write it down and go read. Now turn to Acts chapter... Well, I'll just tell you so we don't spend another hour. Genesis 10, it talks about the nations, the different nations that scattered out. All right? Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches the gospel to Cornelius. The word just... Check, just write it down off to the side of your Bible and a question mark beside it to pay attention to the tens and the Word of God. All right, just do that. I'm not going to get off on that teaching tonight. I will spend a program or two, and we'll deal with the numerology in the script. Not numerology like the world teaches, but scriptural numbers like 7, 5, 3, you know, 10, 14, different numbers that mean stuff in the scriptures, Okay. Like I've told you before, when you see 5-5 five, five is the number of death. It only is the number of grace one time in the Scripture, and that's when the Lord was crucified. Every 95, 90% of the time, it deals with death, the, the number 5 does. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 5, the first man dies, Adam, okay? And first mention follows through throughout Scripture. All right, brother, go ahead. Back to Job. Okay, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their 
three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Okay. Job's worried about his his kids' sin. Remember, folks, this is before the law. This is before Moses. This is before this is before any of that stuff. That you're reading it before we're held captive in Egypt. Before the law calls us out the Lord calls us out of Egypt. Before Mount Sinai. What Job's fixing to do here. Go ahead, brother. Now, verse 6, now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Wait just a minute, brother, I, I lost a particular thought. Go back and read verse 5 one more time. Okay. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Okay. Job was taking on the role of a priest of his family. This is before the law, folks. This is before the Levitical priesthood. This is before the sacrificing of bulls and goats. This is before the Ten Commandments written in stone. This before the Mosaic Law. This is before the schoolmaster to show everybody they were sinners. That's what it was. That's what it was given for, period. That's what the Bible tells you is given for. It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to show you you're a sinner. That's what it was given for. It was never made. It was never given to anybody to be perfect or to do anything like that. Nothing. No. No. But here is Job before this time period, before the Lord meets Moses up on the mountain and hands him the law. Before this, Job sacrificing for his sin. He's taking on the priesthood of his family. So you you can kind of, Brother David mentioned Shem a while ago, and I did too a little bit. Shem was might have been Melchizedek, okay? I've dealt with that in previous programs. None of you folks in the chat room, other than Brother Kevin, and I think Brother David was with me whenever I dealt with Melchizedek. But it could have been, Melchizedek might have been Shem. There's a possibility. A lot of people think he was, that Shem was Melchizedek. He was a priest, so there was a priesthood going around then. And, he, and Abraham gave tithes to him. Okay, I personally believe that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate appearance of the angel of the Lord. More than that's just a personal opinion. Okay, but anyway, Job acted as a priest in his family, and he sacrificed. This is before the law. Okay. This is called the historical patriotic patriarchal period. Okay? 
after the schoolmaster was gone and the blood sacrifice of God manifest in the flesh on the mercy seat in heaven, not on earth, in heaven. Finally and forever, it says in Hebrews, he, Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. And there was would never be any more need here in this age for sacrificing for sin of any kind. But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do sacrifices after the schoolmaster. During this age, during this period, the regathering, spiritual regathering of the sons of God that we're fixing to read about here. All right? Some of them. Turn to First Peter, brother. Okay. First Peter chapter 2. And read verse five. Let's see about the spirit. Let's see about the the sacrifices we're supposed to do today. See, and ask yourself, do I do this when we get to them? What does First Peter chapter or two verse five say, brother? Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. See there? You're a priest over your family, just like Job was. I'm showing you the correlations here, folks. Before the law, Job was a priest over his family. Now, what all that uh, him offering sacrifices done as far as his, the sins of his kids, I don't know. Scripture's not plain on it. Had some effect, or he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have known. He he would he wouldn't have done it if he if it wouldn't have had some kind of effect and did something good. There was a reason he did it. Is what I'm saying. But this is before the law. Okay, now we do spiritual sacrifices. Turn to Hebrews chapter thirteen, brother. Certainly. I've already read to you about one sacrifice that you're supposed to do. See, Christ sacrificed for us, folks. He made the ultimate sacrifice. Therefore, we're out of love supposed to sacrifice for him. And and, 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 and not animals. Not bulls and goats. It's spiritual sacrifices, see. It's not, and a spiritual sacrifice is not a vacation of 70 or 80 years here on this earth and a huge bank account, folks. I hate, I keep saying that because I know how worldly we are as a people. I keep saying it because of that reason. Driving the nail home as deep as I can get it, countersink it with a punch, a nail punch. This is not a vacation period. This is not for you to have a good time, contrary to what you've thought all your life. We're not here for good time. Good time's supposed to be for eternity, folks. And then there'll be stuff to do over there. This period of time 
majority should be spent in love for the Lord, your perfecting process, and sacrificing. Why? Because he sacrificed for you. Read Hebrews 13, verse 15, brother. Okay. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, In everything, give, but he wrote Hebrews, by the way, and he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, In everything give thanks. Not just for the stuff that, that rubs you on the back. See, now I'm, I'm fixing to get crooked on you. See, I'm fixing to... I'm fixing to get crossways on you because it's going to go contrary to your flesh and contrary to what you think. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It said everything. How do I know that Paul meant everything? Because he says all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He tells you in Romans 12, Brother David read it a while ago, he, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, that's your reasonable service. That's your reasonable sacrifice. Why? That you may prove what is that, and be not conformed to this world. That's an add-on to the living sacrifice. Don't go the world's way. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the, the praise of your lips with thanksgiving. To praise God. Let Him know it. Get it. Hey, get out. Get in the wood. Go get in a closet where nobody will see you. And, and you that live by yourself, always praise God when you feel bad. Do it. Yeah, but I won't mean it. Do it anyway. You'll get to where you do. The toughest things I've ever had to do in my Christian life is to honestly thank God for the, for the most painful things that's happened in my life. I wasn't always able to do that, folks. And I'm probably speaking to quite a few people right now that can't do it now. I understand. But do you want to know what the will of God is? Is it important enough for you to find out? Or are you just vacationing in Panama City? Job, all the way back here, during the time of Father Abraham and Shem, the overlap, even Noah. All the way back then, before the law. Job's considering all this stuff, and you're going to find out in just a few minutes 
what I'm talking about. Continue reading, Brother David and Job. I can't let this one go, Pastor. i got to hear your comments on verse 16 of Hebrews 13. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. <laughs> uh, it's, it's giving, folks, is considered a sacrifice. Amen. Not, yeah, and I didn't want to hit it, brother. You know why I don't. But anyway, it is, folks. People need to know. <clears throat> and I know, I know, brother. It, it, But yes, and the ones that don't, just fly a kite is all I can tell you. Because you do just as good to fly your kite. Don't give me none of this stuff about the Lord knows your heart. I done been there, done done it, and lied to myself too. I'm just telling you, that's what the book says. You can do as you want to. Let every man do his purpose in his heart. Okay? Amen. Give, giving is a sacrifice. And I ain't talking about what you can afford. See, now I'm gonna, I, if, I, if I tell you what the scriptures say, I mean, just get point blank, which I, I try to do. I'll be sounding like some of them idiots on television, and I don't want to do that. All right? I, I, I'm not going to go. I won't go there. God giving me grace, I won't. But I'm just telling you, that's one of the sacrifices is giving that you're supposed to do now. Spiritual sacrifice. Yes, giving of your money is a spiritual sacrifice. Yes, yes it is. According to the Scriptures, Okay? Yes, and, and God's not just pleased. He's well pleased. That's what he says. He is well yes. pleased. And if you expect, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells you that if, if you do this, God's able to make abound toward you all, you have an all sufficiency in all things. Just turn there and read it, Brother David. Yeah, I think I'm making it up. Just read it. Uh, which verse? I'm sorry. It's First Corinthians chapter ten. It's down there next to the last of the oh, chapter. Yeah. It's right after the, he says, "The Lord loves loveth the cheerful giver." If you want oh, to be yeah. loved of God, you know, do the sacrifice you're told to do, and do what you're supposed to do. That's all I can tell you. I can tell you, you can't outgive God. I know that for a fact. Uh, Brother David, this is your fault, brother. <laughs> okay, I'm willing to stop here. I just wanted people to know that there are sacrifices that are well-pleasing to God, and it's doing right, as well as the rightness of serving the Lord Jesus Christ with a portion of your income. That's right. That's 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 correct, brother. That's that's good preaching is all I can say. I just try to stay away from that topic as much as I can. Anyway, go ahead and read that, brother. Okay. Um, uh, Maybe may may chapter 11. I'm looking for it myself. Okay. I don't even. I don't have a clue where all those verses are. The other preachers know where they are, like the back of their hand. I don't know where they're at. in the same chapter where the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, okay? Okay. Yes. And that would... I made a mistake. Yeah, that goes right in line for sure because Christ gave his own self on the cross for us. I mean, That's what greater right. gift could there be? 
Well, that's yeah. what I, that, I, you know, people just don't, they, I'm not going to go there. Just go there, brother, and read this, what it says. It's and, chapter okay. 9, verse 7. Chapter 9. Yes, it is. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Keep on reading. Okay. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Okay, that that, that 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 grace is in the context what he's talking about is you he's fixing to tell you that grace is God gracing you for grace in him. That's what he do that isn't that amazing? You you do for God, God doubles for you. That's what he's fixing to tell you right here. Okay, go ahead and read it, brother. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Amen. Okay, let's go. Let's get back to Job, brother. Okay. This that sacrificing, folks. That was before the law. That's before that. that that's before the law. Now, then, in this period we're in now, in this period. It's sacrificing again. It's spiritual sacrifices. Peter told you that. It's spiritual sacrifices. That where Peter says that, that's the only two times Peter uses the word spiritual. And the other person that uses it the other 26 times is the Apostle Paul. Peter uses it twice in the same verse. Paul uses it 26 times scattered throughout the epistles. It's only used one time in the Old Testament and it's used in a in a wicked context. Told you that ad nauseum before. Not going to say anything else about it. Back to Job, brother. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. All right. Here we go. We get a glimpse into Shemayim. The congregation of the Lord will get a glimpse into the divine council. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. They're angels, folks. Later on, we're going to find out some more entities when we get to further on in the book of Job. <laughs> but here we see that there is a literal Satan that comes to this meeting. Okay? And before and we're fixing to run some biblical references on this. What time is it, brother? I don't want to go too long. It's a work night for folks. Yes, it's um eight forty five. Okay, let's go ahead and we'll we'll pick this up and we'll deal with this meeting between Satan and the Lord and finish out chapter one. Lord willing, Friday night. Is there any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. Well, if there's no questions, then we'll pick up here. What verse is that, Brother David? Verse 6. Okay. Talking verse six. about the Ben Elohim. Okay, Benai Elohim. Okay, we will pick up, we'll pick up with this this coming Friday night, and we'll deal with... We'll, there's a mystery involved here in this, and we'll probably spend quite a bit of time on it, folks, because... We're going to see that this is after the fall. After Satan got kicked out of Shemayim. 
of the third heaven. But now he's back. Well, how's he back? See, we'll deal with that this coming Friday night. Brother David, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother, and give the contact information. Yes, I will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and we give thanks. We thank you, Lord Holy Ghost, that you lifted up the Lord Jesus Christ and you explained things to us tonight. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ has enabled you to come and to teach us through the blood of Jesus. And I give thanks for the word of God that's going forth even now, that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, that's going into our hearts and mind right now and doing the work of God. And I thank you that it will continue this evening and those that download the work of the word would continue in their hearts and their minds as they listen. And, Father, we give thanks that um, on Friday night we come with expectancy, knowing that your spirit, through the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, will do the work you've begun in us. And to those who are called to preach, that you will continue to show them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen, brother. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone. 334-397-2333. That's 334-397-2333. Email is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Address 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1. That's 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1. Diaz and Don 1, Clio, Alabama, 36017. That's 36017. Thanks for listening. Good night, folks. Good job, Brother David, Brother Kevin. Appreciate you. Appreciate you folks being in the chat room, and Lord willing, we'll see you guys Friday night. Love you guys. Good night, all. Good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.